All right, let's get this over with. This is my ninth burr. I think I'm going to make 30. And then after that, I, I think I might keep doing the same thing, but make it private. Um, these public prayers are interesting, and it's funny that I call them public because I don't actually plan on anybody seeing this, but it's like a... It's like a, a nice little treasure. If if anybody ever digs through the internet and finds these, I mean, it's like a treasure that is like, it's like you open up the treasure box and it's like tin foil coins or something. Like it's it's not that valuable, but it's still cool. Um. Anyway. Yeah, I uh, I think I'll stop at thirty, and then go back to doing private prayers but still out loud kind of in this format it's it's nice to it's nice to do this out loud it uh it helps me I don't know, I wouldn't say organize my thoughts, but it helps me get my thoughts out there. And I've realized, though, that when I'm speaking on a podcast, I am speaking to an audience, whether that audience exists or not. I'm supposing that someone will one day listen to this, and I am speaking to that person. I don't think I can avoid doing that. But I also like the aspect of, of doing that privately and, and feel like I'm speaking directly to God, even though I still feel like he's not really, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Hello God. I had a pretty alright day today. Been kinda tired. Um I guess maybe I haven't been getting enough sleep or maybe I've been waking up earlier than I'm supposed to or something. I don't know. I get up at five. Go to bed around nine, so that's like that's eight hours. Seems like a lot of people get a lot less sleep than I do, and they do just fine. But yeah, I'm tired, and I am very much looking forward to having Sunday off. That'd be nice. I uh. Don't have much to talk about today. What do you want to talk about? I got my car back. That's really nice. When I first 
got into it, turned it on. And then I hit the gas pedal and I was like, whoa, this thing moves. Because uh, that, that loner cart didn't have quite a good acceleration. And I didn't notice it until I got back into my car. It was, uh, it was just so nice. Thank you. Thank you for giving me my car back. It was, it was wonderful to be back in my baby again. Yeah, um, listened to some good podcasts today. Um, There's one with Jordan Peterson and this Catholic guy that I found interesting. Mostly what I gleaned from it is that it's important to have a like a value value system. I mean, they were talking about how it's important to to believe in God because you you can't really have a value system without a God. And and it kind of reinforced what kind of the problem that I had with with my therapist where it's like his whole thing, my therapist thing was just say what values are important to you and that'll guide you through life. And that doesn't make sense to me because it's like, how do I know what values are actually going to be important to me? Like what if, what if my values are like pure hedonism? And that that was the, that was the podcast actually is like something like, Escape from hedonism or something like that. And yeah, hedonism is not fulfilling. And and you can like... Kind of... Go a little further with hedonism. Like, oh, I want to be not just happy in the moment, but happy in the future. And that's kind of honestly kind of my dad's ethic is like what would he say something about having the greatest happiness for the greatest amount of time but that's inevitably that's based in hedonism and I kind of I'm kind of drawn to go the opposite direction. And this is a little bit what they talked about in the podcast where there's something about like the sacrificing of one's life to the greatest good. You know, I'm still I'm honestly still lost on like what what the goal is that we're trying to attain. <sighs> but 
I think concepts like the kingdom of heaven are kind of cool. The concept of Zion is cool. I don't think I'm trying to get to heaven, though. I just want to be a good person. Like here, here's a little fantasy situation I have. I have this kind of fantasy where, like, I do my best in life, right? Then I get up to heaven, or not to heaven, but I, I die, right? And then... Come up to the judgment seat, and you're like, you're not worthy... You're going to hell. And then I'm like, well, fine. I know I did my best. And you know what I think? I think you're not worthy. So fuck you. I'm going to hell. And that's that's basically how it goes. But yeah, it's like, I want to be a good person despite what I think you are or, you know, despite the evil in the world. Like, I don't know. I honestly feel like my brain is kind of just muddled. Maybe it's the weed. Maybe it's not getting enough sleep. I was just noticing as I was watching a TikTok how this guy, he speaks to the camera and he doesn't pause. And I pause a lot. And I have to think about what I'm saying. And I'll lose track of what I'm saying too. I don't like that. So maybe I should quit weed and and see where it gets me or something. Honestly, I don't even like it. I just used to like it. it. It used to be an enjoyable thing for me. And so it's like I keep trying it in hopes that it'll be as fun again as it was before but it's not really I mean there's still good times that I've had with it usually it's just with other people that's why I don't like to get high alone at all like but being around other people it kind of still you know turns off the prefrontal cortex and I don't know I don't like how it kind of fucks with my memory, though. Like, I do notice that I have a harder time keeping track of what I'm saying. And 
the first time I tried weed, I figured that was kind of a good thing. And there are ways in which I think it can be because you you live more in the present moment because you're not... Time is slipping through your consciousness and it's you're not tied to it. Therefore, you're able to live more in the moment. But, I don't know, I, I have problems with a lot of the meditation people who are, like, convinced that you should have zero thoughts and live entirely in the moment. I think that's ridiculous. Because if you have no thoughts, then... you're simply not capable of navigating the world. Like, you wake up in the morning, what do you do? You decide either to get up and go, (laughs) either to get up and do whatever or to go back to sleep. And, I don't know, maybe there's thoughts involved in that decision. Maybe there's not. But there were, at one point, thoughts involved in that decision. Usually, you make that decision because you thought beforehand about it. Like, and here's the other thing. I think I'm, I'm probably jumping around too much and not... <laughs> not making cohesive sense but people talk about living in the present and not too much in the past or the future the past and the future have their purpose and I know I'm just ranting to you about it I know that you already know but I guess this is more for the audience or something The past and the future have their purpose, and they are meant to be thought about. The past teaches you lessons, and the future is there to plan and create with. In reality, there's no such thing as the present. We are... I mean, you can... The present is like a... It's asymptotic. It's like that line on a... What is it? Exponential graph. I can't remember. But the asymptote. The curve gets closer and closer to it and never reaches it. That's our reality past and present or past and future there is no present you can try harder and harder to like 
get closer and closer to the present, and, and you never will. The signals in our brain and everything like that, I mean, the light is coming at us in waves that are perhaps nanoseconds or smaller, but still coming from the past. And then anything beyond that is future. But. And then you can just be on various ends of that line of past or or future. But I mean, I get what people mean about being present. It's trying to be as close to that line between past and future as possible, right? And more so on the past end. So I think when you're... Honestly, I think when you're in a flow state, you're actually closer to that... You might be more so on that future side of that line between past and future. That's interesting. Because you're thinking just just milliseconds ahead of where you need to be. That's very interesting. I've never thought about it like that. But yeah, it's so ridiculous to me to think that you should never learn from your past and you should never plan for the future. And maybe that's not what people say, but sure sounds like it when they say you should always be living in the moment. And I also don't deny, like, there are, there are times when, when we spiral, when we end up obsessing about the past or obsessing about the future in, in an unhelpful way. But there are other ways to meditate upon the past or meditate upon the future. It's just, I don't know, it's just words and semantics. It's like you focus your mind on something. Focus your consciousness on something. And if you do it from the perspective of, I don't know, self-improvement, then it tends to be a good thing. But it's all muddy. It's like... Because we, we can d- dwell on the past. And sometimes we just don't know what to make of it. And sometimes we're, the reason we're dwelling on it is because we're trying to figure out what to make of it. Like, I've got a lot of shit in my past. I don't know what to do with it. I've had two manic episodes. I choked a girl out that was in a wheelchair. I don't know what to do with that. I still think that maybe I should be in jail. I don't think society has given me the tools for redemption. I know I I was reading through a Reddit post today and someone was like, what would you do if you found out your friend had raped somebody? And everybody on there was like, I would no longer have a friend. Like I would 
cut that person off and or if they you know if they hadn't been to jail yet I'd turn them in and I mean yeah but I can't help from look look at it from the perspective of what if I was that guy was the rapist and maybe like Maybe that shines a bad light on me. Maybe that shows me that I'm an evil person. And you know what? I think I am. So fucking strike me down, God. Because that's what I've been asking this whole time. I want to die. Because I'm not a good person. I've had fantasies about rape. I don't think I'd do it in real life. But maybe if the situation was right and the opportunity presented itself maybe I would I don't know I don't know myself that well I'd like to say I wouldn't and if I can make the decision now I won't my decision is that I I won't I'm not gonna sexually interact with someone against their will. But here's another thing I think about. Is that simply because I'm scared of the consequences of society? I think about that a lot. Am I am I doing certain things? Am I being a good person simply because I'm afraid of what would happen if I wasn't? Or do I avoid doing bad things because I'm afraid of what would happen if I did them? I think... I think because this is going to stay anonymous... And to to try to really prove a point of how evil I am. I'm going to make some confessions. I've never viewed actual child porn, but I ran across this this thing um, that was a a link to drawn child pornography, like uh, anime child porn, basically. And I looked at it, and I got off to it. And it wasn't, like, my thing. But it was still sexually appealing. And here's another confession. I'm attracted to supposedly underage women. Not so much like prepubescent children, really. But yeah, like post-pubescent, 13. And I would, 
I would never do anything sexually with them. But maybe that's just because of the laws in the country that I live in. Here's another thing. I cannot comprehend what it's like for a a woman or, or anyone really to be sexually assaulted. I don't think I can comprehend that because I have wanted sex throughout all my life as far like as for as long as I can remember. And I think that makes me an evil person. I, I think it does. I don't I don't understand. I don't know if I can understand why someone does not want to be like sexually sexed and like here's here's one way I can empathize in jail I was afraid of getting raped but the only reason for that is just that I was I was afraid that I'd like tear my butthole and I'd get a hernia. That was my only fear of that. Like just just the the physical pain. I don't I don't understand the other side of that. Maybe I am completely spiritually dead. Maybe that's why I can't hear anything from you. Like maybe I'm a lost cause. I think I might be. I really think I belong in jail. And I don't know why or or dead or dead. That'd probably be better. But people say that I should still be alive and people don't know me. I think, I don't know, here's just my philosophy. I mean, I think, I think when it comes down to it, like God, you, I think I am you. But I think actually you are me and you are everyone. And, And that means that, you know, I am Hitler and I am Mao Zedong and I am Stalin 
the worst evils in the history of mankind. I try to empathize with those. And I don't know if this makes me good or if this makes me evil. But I wish everyone would do it. And try to understand what it would be like to be in that person's shoes. Not just in their shoes, but in their brain and in their body. And to try to their the best of their ability to experience that. And I mean, that's what I believe that Jesus did in the Garden of Eden. And I think, you know, if I were looking at anybody else besides myself, I would simply say that people are complicated. People are capable of great good and great evil. And maybe I'm that way too. But for some reason, I don't feel like it's fair for me to say. Maybe it's just the voices around me that I've seen and heard. But... I honestly believe that I do not deserve to live. And and back to the, like, like child pornography and, and underage stuff. I'm drawn to sexual encounters that are consensual. And obviously there are consent laws within the U.S. And then different countries have different laws around that. And I, I don't know, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's, it's not necessarily black and white. I'm not trying to justify myself. I'm, I've already established that I'm an evil person. And that if I were in a different country where it was legal and a 13-year-old actually wanted to have sex with me, I think I would probably accept.
So where do you stand on that? You know, because, like, Muhammad apparently married a 13-year-old. Joseph Smith apparently married a 13-year-old. I feel that consent is pretty complicated, and people mature as their age, as they age, there's no, there is no black and white. There is no, I mean, a lot of people say it's like when you're, okay, so a lot of people think of it like when you turn 18, that's just the switch, like now all of a sudden you can consent and and do everything, but... It's not, it's obviously not that simple in real life. Legally, legally it's that simple. And yeah. Just if you're if you're capable of forgiveness, then please forgive me. But but more important than forgiveness, set me on a straight path. How how do I find? I want to understand. I want to understand what the right thing is and why. How... How do I find that? I want to say it's through empathy, right? Like, and this is what I've always tried to do, to put myself in other people's shoes. See, the problem is, and it's the problem with the golden rule too, is that how you want to be treated is not necessarily how other people want to be treated. When I was young, like kindergarten, first grade, I had this fantasy of of like <laughs> it was a weird specific fantasy like like a naked party at school where everybody was naked and the students and the teachers were naked and I got to see the teachers boobs that's that's what I really wanted to see when I was little when I was in kindergarten and so I think my 
I'm not I'm not gonna say I'm I'm not a minor attractive person because it's not That's like not the main demographic that I'm attracted to, right? I'm attracted to women my age. I think. So honestly that, yeah, I don't know. If I didn't know, I don't know. But I think part of that attraction stems from a an a weird type of empathy with my younger self. When I was younger, I desired sexual experiences. And it probably would have been I don't know. It might have been damaging to me to have sexual experiences when I was that young. I don't know. I do not see the... I just don't see. And I want to. How do I see? How do I understand how other people feel about sex? Because to, I would say most people, to most people, it's a really big thing. And part of me understands that. Like, I know when I was having my first sexual experiences with this girl who was that pastor's daughter... I'm going to avoid saying names on this podcast because I want to keep it as anonymous as I possibly can. When we were doing sexual stuff, it was amazing and special. And I don't know if she necessarily saw it that way, but it it felt like it was that way for both of us. I never... I don't know, I'm second-guessing myself, but I never thought that I pushed her to do anything that she didn't want to do. But then, you know, when her dad found out, then things ended immediately. And And I don't know how she felt after that. I don't know if she felt, like, shame or or guilt or... Or maybe she blamed it all on me and and would say that I manipulated her. And I don't think I did. But I think, you know, it's possible that her parents might say that. 
either way, those are amazing experiences. I would never take them back. So please, just help me to understand this. This is something I can't, I obviously can't talk about with anyone. And I, you know this, you know that I've been like this since I was able to even speak. I want to do what's right. I want to I want to have a direct relationship with the truth. But I don't know how to do that and I don't know what that truth is. And I mean, I find myself going along with society and I find myself I found myself doing a lot of things simply out of fear of what would happen if I did the wrong thing. And I don't think that's a good motivation. And, and, and like there's social pressure too. That's an interesting thing I've seen with the internet is that it creates an impressive amount of social press, pressure about certain issues. But I don't feel a sense of right and wrong. I just feel the social pressure. I don't know. I don't even know if anybody feels this way, the same way I do. I mean, I know there are people who are in jail for... sexually exploiting minors. And I know that there are a lot of women and men too that are traumatized and and mentally damaged from the sexual abuse that they've suffered. But I don't understand what the mechanism of that trauma and damage is. And maybe I, maybe I just need to talk to more women and to ask how that really affects them because I don't understand it. 
and I want to. I want to. I want to be able to put myself in the shoes of other people, so that I don't hurt them. And maybe, maybe this is my redemption right here. I don't want to hurt other people. But then again, maybe I do. Maybe I don't really know myself. And maybe out of either clumsiness or malice, I could end up hurting someone. I have resentment in my heart, I know. feel like maybe I should have been having this conversation with Jesus because he's the one who forgives sins, you know, but I also hear that he's our, uh, Crap, what's the word? I'm thinking intercessory. That he, uh, that he comes between me and you and uh, pleads my case. So, now, I always thought it was weird. Like, I heard it described growing up that. Jesus basically brought our prayers to you. I feel like the word is intercessory, but it doesn't seem right. But it was always weird to me that we we didn't pray to Jesus. We prayed to you, even though we were taught that Jesus was the one that kind of brought, like, heard our prayers and brought them to you. So... I don't know. Jesus, if you're listening to help me out, homie. Um, but yeah, it's like I... I don't even know what to feel guilt about yet. And... I don't know, maybe I'm lost. Here's another fantasy I have. I come to the judgment seat, and you're there, and you say, all right, all right, you got to go to hell. And I say, yep, I know. Peace. And, and, And that's it. Because I'm not a good person. (laughs) 
just, I want answers, and I feel like I'm not getting any answers, except, except that maybe I should figure out how to talk to women who have been sexually abused and, and understand what their experience is. What is it like? That's what I need to ask. What is it like? And maybe I can understand better. I don't know. Life is weird. I guess while I'm giving confessions, um, I've definitely had arsonist fantasies, like burning down police stations. Or, but the, it, I always get caught up because I don't actually want to like hurt people. I just want to like burn down buildings. Um, so I guess that's not really that evil, or evil enough to warrant a confession. Maybe um, when I was a lot younger. I, uh, I once tried to, like, touch my cousin's boob that was about the same age as me while she was sleeping. That's, that's pretty creepy. And it's just, it's my curiosity mixed with a, an ignorance of other people and how and I still don't know I still don't understand what the other person's perspective is there and I wonder I wonder if someone is ever going to listen to this and think wow this guy is fucked up he needs to go to jail or he should be dead and to that I'd say yeah for sure but I still don't understand. And so I think I must just be a psychopath. And then, and then okay, still on the subject of confessions, I, uh, I think this was a little after the trying to touch my cousin's boob. I, uh, was, like sleeping in the basement with some other cousins and we're doing some like truth and dare and I like dared my my one cousin to like take her bra off and then you know like but still like have her shirt on so she did that and then I mean, I guess 
I was, I was a kid, but like, I was turned on by that. And then, later that night, I tried to like, take her hand and put it on my balls. And then she got up and started crying and went to her mom. And then her mom told my parents and my parents were really mad at me. And I apologized and I cried. And to this day, I still don't know if I felt guilt or shame. And like, I want to feel guilt. I want to feel guilty about it, but I don't understand. I don't understand what it means to other people. And in that way, I think I must just be a psychopath. I'm a sexually deviant psychopath who's just trying to be a good person and just trying to To find somebody who who would consent to having sex with me and who and someone who could love me like maybe maybe the listener understands at this point why I don't think anybody could actually love me. Because it's not even that my crimes are unforgivable. It's that my nature is evil. And like not even the like cool edgy kind of evil, just creepy evil so what am I supposed to do about that huh you know forgiveness and everything is great but I just don't see how it works Sure, I can say that I put my sins on Jesus Christ. What does that mean? I can say that he atoned for my sins. How does how does somebody else dying change anything about anything? It doesn't change what people think of me. doesn't change how people treat me, how people would treat me if they knew. I'm a lost cause. I'm already going to hell. And honestly, that gives me, that gives me a weird kind of hope because it takes away the pressure, right? It's like I already am going to hell. So why not 
just try to be the best person I can up until that point. That's what I'm going to try to do. Thanks for the chat, God. I love you. And I hate you. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.